Thank you, Father, for making us to be part of the living today. We are grateful, Lord, for your watch care over us. We thank you for granting us security and peace. We thank you, Lord, for also providing all the necessities that we need in our life to make it comfortable and to sustain us. Thank you for good health, O Lord. Glory be unto your name for all you've done for us. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Spirit and the agency of your holy angels working on our behalf. This morning, as we go through your word, we ask that you would grant to us the grace of your Spirit. Grant us understanding. Put your words in our mouth, O Lord, and bless us with information and help us, Lord, to live up to what we are going to hear. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, November 30 Charmed with Christ's Love If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 When we are tempted to place our affections on any earthly object that has a tendency to absorb our love, we must seek grace to turn from it and not allow it to come between us and our God. We want to keep before the mind's eye the mansions which Jesus has gone to prepare for us. We must not allow our houses and lands, our business transactions and worldly enterprises to come between us and our God. We should keep before us the rich promises that He has left on record. We should study the great waymarks that point out the times in which we are living. We should now pray most earnestly that we may be prepared for the struggles of the great day of God's preparation. We should rejoice in the prospect of soon being with Jesus in the mansions he has gone to prepare for us. Jesus can supply your every need. As you behold him, you will be charmed with the riches of the glory of his divine love, the idolatrous love of things that are seen will be superseded by a higher and better love for things that are imperishable and precious. You may contemplate eternal riches until your affections are bound to things above, and you may be an instrument in directing others to set their affections on heavenly treasures. Those who rightly value money are those who see its availability in bringing the truth before those who have never heard it, and by this means rescuing them from the power of the enemy. If one soul accepts the truth, his love for earthly things is dislodged. He sees the surpassing glory of heavenly things, appreciates the excellency 
of that which relates to everlasting life. He is charmed with the unseen and eternal. His grasp loosens from earthly things. He fastens his eye with admiration upon the invisible glories of the other world. He realizes that his trials are working out for him a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And in comparison to the riches that are his to enjoy, he counts them light afflictions which are but for the moment. Amen. The title of our devotion is Charmed with Christ's Love. And I will say Charmed with Christ's Love as opposed to Charmed with the things of this world. Our key text is Colossians 3 verse 1 and 2 which says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above not on things on the earth very important thing for us the question we should be asking ourselves now is what am i charmed with am i charmed with christ's love or am i charmed with the things of this world and i recall the bible passage in 1 john chapter 2 from verse 15 that says love not the world i would say then be not charmed by the world love not the world neither be charmed by the things of this world and he goes on to say for all that is in the world the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride that comes through material things the pride of life the another version which is new english translation says the pride that comes through material possessions is all of the world do not be charmed by material things do not be charmed by the things you see with your eyes or be charmed by the pleasure you get from the fleshly things that we do rather be charmed with christ's love colossians 3 verse 2 says set your affection affection on things above not on things of the earth the word affection means the heart, that is your love, something that you are fond of. You know, when you have affection for something, you are fond of that thing, you love that thing, you are drawn towards it, you are attached to it. So we are told we are to be drawn, we are to be attached, we are to love things above not things on this earth and we are given reasons why we should do that firstly i'll talk about the reasons before i go to how we do that why should we set our affections on things above and not things on the earth i would read first of all the temptation of jesus in luke chapter 4 reading from verse 5 to 8 which is our own temptation on a daily basis. And the devil taking him up into an high mountain, 
showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus came to save the world. And here it is that Satan was giving him an offer. Instead of going to die on the cross, instead of passing through that painful process of saving the world by so much suffering and ridicule and scorn and shame and death, why don't you just bow and then I'll give over the whole world that you came to save to you? And Jesus did not do that. He told him to get away. Get thee behind me, Satan. And this is what we should be telling Satan today. Satan tempts us and he attracts our mind. That's how he does it now. Satan tempts us, he deceives us and tries to place our affection on things on this world. I remember studying this with someone recently. He takes us to parties, for example. You may not like them before, but he takes you there for one purpose. Even if you didn't like them, he wants to show you the things of this world so that you get attracted to it. He wants to, exp he wants to explain to you and make you see them in a different light. So that he can set your affection on it and then at the end of the day you will lose your faith that is what he is after he wants to he wants to make you lose your faith and when you begin to see the things of this world and love them then the devil has gotten you but like jesus we are to say get the behind me satan get thee behind me satan that's what we have to say now the question is why is it that jesus did not accept that offer let us now look at the book of matthew 16 reading from verse 24 so that we will understand why we also also should not accept that kind of offer reading from verse 24 it says then said jesus unto his disciples if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And then he asks the question which we are supposed to ask ourselves, the million dollar question, that if we can just allow this question to have a place in our mind, it will make us make all the right decisions all the time. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Ah, this question to me, I say, is one of the deepest questions that anybody can contemplate. If Jesus had bowed to Satan, he would have lost his soul. And then what will it profit him if he gains the whole world and then lose his soul? Oh, my brothers and sisters, ask yourself the same question. 
you who are ambitious for worldly glory, you who are attached to your house, to your land, to your degree, you who are chasing after the material things of this world at the expense of eternal life, the question comes to you now. What will it profit you after gaining the whole world and then after everything you lose your soul? What are you exchanging for your soul? You are actually exchanging the things of this world for your soul, which is what the devil wanted to do with Jesus if Jesus had bowed to him. He would have given his soul over to the devil only to gain the things of this world. But then, how is he going to enjoy the things of this world after he has lost his soul? And the question is for us today too. How is it that we can exchange, make such a, a very expensive exchange? There is nothing in this world that is worth your soul. The soul's price is inestimable. You cannot exchange your soul for this world and be making and be doing good business. That is a very poor business transaction. Your soul is more important and more expensive than the whole universe, my brothers and sisters. Even if the devil had the power to give us the whole universe at the expense of our soul, it is still bad business. Because the soul is far more important, far more valuable, far more expensive than the whole created universe. Because after you have done that exchange, you are losing everything, including the universe that you think you have gotten. If you have gotten, if you get the universe and give your soul, you have lost everything, including that universe that you think you just got. And this is the mindset that Jesus had that made him say, get thee behind me satan and we also should contemplate it after you have gotten all the things of this world all your degrees and your dds and your mds and doctors and doctorate in this and that which is not wrong in and of itself by the way but if you are getting these things at the expense of your soul and let me be more specific if the road that you are passing to get these things is causing the cares of this world to so engross your mind that you don't have time for godly things you are losing your soul and even worse, if the road you are passing to get these things that you are setting your affections on is sinful, not just that it's the cares of this world now is, is making it engross your mind, but you are breaking the laws of God and His principles just to get your ambition, just to secure worldly gain, just to get material things. If that is what you are doing, you are exchanging your soul for the world and you are doing poor, poor things terrible business somebody once understood this and we don't need to pass through the road because he has passed it already and told us the results he has done the experiment ecclesiastes chapter 2 solomon did it he said reading from verse 1 i thought to myself come now i will try try self-indulgent pleasure to see if it is worthwhile but i found that it is also futile I said of partying, those of us that like going to club, Solomon did it, he said, I said of clubbing, it is folly, partying, whether it is wedding party, all kinds of parties, it is folly, and of self-indulgent pleasure, it accomplishes nothing, there's three, I thought deeply about the effects of indulging myself with wine, have you thought deeply, well, somebody thought deeply, 
all the while my mind was guiding me with wisdom and the effects of behaving foolishly so, so that I might discover what is profitable for people to do on earth during the few days of their lives. Now materialism. I increased my possessions. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I designed royal gardens and parks for myself. I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I constructed pools of water for myself. To irrigate my grove of flourishing trees, I purchased male and female slaves and I owned slaves who were born in my house. I also possessed more livestock, both herds and flocks, than any of my predecessors in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself as well as valuable treasures taken from kingdoms and provinces. I acquired male singers and female singers for myself. And what gives a man sensual delight? A harem of beautiful concubines. Oh wow, you remember Solomon, 700 of them. He got them for himself. So I was far wealthier than all my predecessors in Jerusalem, yet I maintained my objectivity. What was his objectivity? For you, that may not be objectivity, but for Solomon, his objectivity was, I want to discover if these things are actually pleasurable. And he had the wisdom to do it. But God has not given you that wisdom who are trying it. Yours, you actually have believed that they are pleasurable and you think that that's what life is about. But this man was actually experimenting with himself. That's why he said all the while his wisdom was with him. And he maintained his objectivity, which is, I, jo I am just testing these things. I want to see for myself. Verse 10. I did not restrain myself from getting whatever I wanted. I did not deny myself anything that would bring me pleasure. So all my accomplishments gave me joy. This was my reward for all my efforts. Hmm. Yet... When I reflected on everything I had accomplished and all the efforts that I had expended to accomplish it. When you finish an experiment, what do you write? Conclusion, right? He said, I concluded. All these achievements and possessions are ultimately profitless. Like chasing the wind, there is nothing gained from them on earth. You see, the book of Ecclesiastes is an experimental book. It is the writing of somebody who was doing a, a social and scientific experiment. Mostly a social experiment. You ever done social experiments? Go on the road, test people and see the result to see what they will say and do about certain situations you create. That was what Solomon was doing with himself. He was doing a social experiment on himself and he was writing conclusions. Sometimes he made wrong conclusions. He would write and say, oh, I concluded that what was best for man on this earth was just to eat and drink and die. But that was a conclusion he made which was wrong. Some people usually get misled by those things. The final conclu conclusion of all the experiments that Solomon did, he wrote in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 and 14. The final conclusion was, he said, Now, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For that is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring to judgment every work, whether it be good and every, uh, whether it be good or evil, and every secret thing. That is the conclusion of Solomon's experiment. You don't need to do it, and that's why he says at the end of the day in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1: Remember now thy Creator 
in the days of thy youth because after he has gone through the experiment he has understood now what is the best thing for us to set our affections on set your affections on things above remember now your creator in the days of your youth let the love of christ charm you and not the things of this world now what do we do when we see that the devil is trying to turn our eyes away from the things of heaven and turn it to the things of this earth we are told in the first paragraph of our devotional reading when we are tempted to place our affections on any earthly object that has a tendency to absorb our love we must seek grace that is prayer to turn from it and not allow it to come between us and our god so when you are brought to situations where you find out that the things you are seeing has a very strong drawing power on your flesh it may be women it may be men it may be sex it may be movies it may be parties it may be clubbing it may be dancing it may be ambition of this world it may be houses it may be lands it may be children it may be husband whatever it is that is drawing your mind away from god we are told to go on our knees and seek grace from god so that these things will not have this drawing power on us because what the devil is actually seeking is to make them look good to us some of us these things don't look good to us but he wants to paint them in a fanciful picture in our eyes so that we draw our eyes away from heaven and to earthly things but we must keep before our mind's eye the promises and glory of the kingdom to come what is the kingdom to come jesus is preparing mansions for us set your affections on that mansion that mansion is real he is going to place on our head crowns of glory that will be shining brighter than the stars the bible tells us in daniel 12 i think verse 1 2 3 and downward that those that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars of heaven amen we are coming to a position where we are going to be so changed from this mortality to immortality that we will shine like angels shine like the stars of heaven we are going to be crowned with immortal crowns we will have immortality itself we will have our own mansion given to us and that mansion is so beautiful from what we are told in fact we are told that i have not seen neither have ears heard neither has it come into the heart of man what the lord has prepared for us let that be on your mind and turn your eyes away from your houses that are perishing i mean how long does a house they paint it in one year and the next thing you see it looking very ugly after rain just beats it for a while leave it for a month and come back and then cockroaches and spiders and rats would have invaded the place leave your clothes for a while too and come back and you see that moths would have eaten it they are they perish the things of this world perish with the using even if you don't leave it by the time you use it for a while what happens to it perishes we are looking for imperishable things things that don't die things that are eternal set your affections on things above immortality the kingdom of god where you have eternity given to you enough time to explore the whole world from one world to another from one unit from one galaxy to another being with jesus forever and ever let your mind be on that because that is the way to also banish the thoughts of this world when satan wants to set your mind on the things of this world think of the mansions of heaven but you see a beautiful house on this earth that makes your mind want to draw to it and makes you want to make 
plans to 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 set your affections on things of building a house is not a wrong thing of course but there is a way these things can come to the mind and you feel like man i want to do my own i want to have this for myself turn your eyes away from it and tell yourself the mansions that god is preparing for me is better than what i see here another thing that we should take note of is even if we do have possessions and if we have money and all that good thank god for it but guess what those things are useless if we don't make good use of them if we don't use it for the right purpose we read in this devotion that those who rightly value money are those who see its availability in bringing the truth before those who have never heard it and by this means rescuing them from the power of the enemy so if you have possessions if you have money if you have those things don't just keep them to be looking at them with your eyes just let it be accumulating in the accounts in your bank use it to bring souls to a knowledge of the truth so that you can turn their eyes from the things of this world to the things of god i pray that god will give us the grace to turn our eyes from the things of this world to set our affections on things above in jesus name amen i'll give another text that jesus used to advise us a man had been so charmed by these things of the life my properties and possessions that the book bible in the book of luke 12 verse 14 said that the man ran to jesus and said to him divide between my brother the possessions that we have but look at what jesus said to him man who made me a judge or arbitrator between you between you two down he said then he said to them watch out on and guard yourself from all types of greed because one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions what does this mean it's not the amount of things that you have that defines your life life cannot be equal to the properties which we have you see i use the analogy of when you are sick you remember that you cannot use your clothes or your school certificate you cannot pray to them the issues we have to struggle with sin temptation sadness death of a loved one you cannot use the properties you have to take care of them we always go to god in prayer so a man's life is not made up of the things he has and you cannot solve life's real problem the problems of the heart with these things I remember a friend who said to me that one day the sister called her. She worked in a multinational company, a company that it was an engineering company, and she was highly pleased. She had gotten every species of shoe that she needed, colors matching with the dresses, well arranged in the shelf. And she called her younger sister, who was a missionary, and said, "I have spent money for everything I wanted, but I still seem to have a lack." I still seem to have an emptiness. What's the problem? I've gotten me the good car I want. I've gotten me the good clothes I want. But I still feel unsatisfied. And many of us can testify to this. The problem is that she thought her life could be made more meaningful by the things she possesses. Remember, Jesus is saying, Behold, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So we should get things for just the use. I need a phone. Just get the phone because you need to use it to make calls and other necessary things. After that, let it be. 
do not buy things to increase your ego or increase your status in the society don't buy cars because you want to place yourself above others get things for the use you need a clothes for covering let it not be for display or for pride so jesus continues with a parable he then told the parable that the land of a certain man produced an abundant crop so he thought to himself what should i do for i have nowhere to store my crops then he said i will do this i will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there i will store all my grains and my goods now you see in the devotional we talked about when you have money what you should use it to do use it to help those who do not have access to this money or have access to the truth which we are already proclaiming buy books bibles materials clothes books that you know that has helped you that will help others but that was not what this man was thinking about he said i will tear down my bounds verse 19 i will say to myself you have plenty of goods stored up for many years relax eat drink celebrate you can now understand what was the purpose of this man's life i'm reading luke 12 verse 19 relax eat drink celebrate this was the purpose of this man's life sadly verse 20 god said to him you fool this very night your life will be demanded back from you but who will get what you have prepared for yourself so it is with the one who stores up riches for himself but is not rich toward god so here god is also trying to help us not to settle one of the reasons is that we are going to pass away and these things will be left so who has it where is all your effort and we know that there is nobody who has been buried with his or her riches it does not happen so the best thing we can use the riches we have is to help and serve and then we should not center our life on food what we eat or pleasure partying like my brother has said i just want to add up this parable then we should make sure our minds are not after these things now we are told to contemplate the eternal riches until your affection are bound to things above there's an effort we have to make seek we are told to set our minds which means it's my responsibility is responsibility does not come naturally some people can tell you the details of Lionel Messi, line to line. They put in effort. They open their phone, search the browser. Some people can tell you the, the what's the latest movies, what's happening with the, um, the seasonal movies in, in the Z worlds. They can tell you the Korean movies, the latest one. What happened is that they put their effort to know about these things. If we want to know about the eternal weight of glory, we need to set our minds put in effort search the devotional tells us that we should check the prophecies yes yes it says we should study the way marks that point out the times in which we are living when you know what the prophecy is saying it can help you to know how to plan i see prophecy like a weather forecast and when you know about a weather forecast that is going to rain what you do is to carry your umbrella you do not go in with your best clothes and dance around because you know it's going to rain. The prophecy of the Bible will point out what we need to do. And for those who know Daniel 2 and Daniel 7, we are at the toes of the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. 
in Daniel 7 we are in the last part where the where the little horn is trying to make war with the saints the second time so the prophecy is telling you that the world is not so glorious as Satan may want to present it he's not telling you exactly what is going to happen many people have lost their hopes their affect their their enter their businesses in these times because some people do not know exactly what the time is if you have a good chart of what is happening now you will know how to invest your business you know how to what to do and what not to do we should now pray more earnestly that we may be prepared for the struggles of the great day of god's preparation the story of jerusalem when jesus told them that when they see the Jerusalem surrounded by the Roman armies let he that is on the housetop flee he that is in the field that he should not come back it is told in history that not one Christian perished in that siege the reason was that they understood the signs of the time but the Jews who did not believe in Christ went to fight the Roman army Yes, the Roman army retreated for a while, but the greater time, the next time they came in AD 70, Jerusalem was thoroughly destroyed with all the Jews and their blood flowed from the temple down to the streets. But it is said that not one Christian perished. What is the reason? They understood the prophecy of the time. We need to take our time to understand what the prophecy of the Bible is saying. Peter says it's like a light that is shining in a dark path. We will be deceived if we are just following the news or following our ambitions. We may not be prepared for what is coming upon us and it will take us on our ways. So my prayer is and desire is that we will take our time to study the prophecies so that our mind will be in the right direction and will make good plans of the time and the future. May God help us to this end. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be reading from Messages to Young People, page 373, paragraph 1, says, The desire for excitement and pleasing entertainment is a temptation and a snare to God's people, and especially to the young. Satan is constantly preparing inducements to attract minds from the solemn work of preparation for scenes just in the future that is events that are in the future through the agency of worldlings who are the worldlings go on the tv you see them a lot of them and even your friends too can be worldlings and by the way when we say worldlings even your family members could be worldlings through the agency of worldlings he keeps up a continual excitement to induce the unwary to join in worldly pleasures there are shows lectures and an endless variety of entertainments that are calculated to lead to a love of the world and through this union with the world faith is weakened hmm. satan is a persevering workman an artful deadly fool whenever an incautious word is spoken whether in flattery or to cause the youth to look upon some sin with less abhorrence he takes advantage of it and nourishes the, the evil seed that it may take root and yield a bountiful harvest he is in every sense of the word a deceiver a skillful charmer who else is a charmer we have two charmers jesus and satan 
He has many finely woven nets which appear innocent but which are skillfully prepared to entangle the young and unwary. The natural mind leans towards pleasure and self-gratification. It is Satan's policy to fill the mind with a desire for worldly amusement, that there may be no time for the question, how is it with my soul? So do you see what Satan is doing? He's trying to, this is the process by which he sets your affections on the things of this earth. He has many things he has devised for that. Shows, lectures, endless variety of entertainments, discussions with friends that will turn your eyes away from God and make the world look attractive. I want to conclude by saying, have you come to a place now where you understand what we are talking about? Where you see the things of this world for what they are, like Solomon said, profitless, ultimately, like he said, ultimate profitlessness nonsense the things that satan wants to charm you with like solomon mentioned them houses lands pools partings servants male employees plenty employees under you and working in silicon valley bollywood hollywood nollywood entertainments of all kinds swimming pools like he said he had orchards all those things but they all consist of the lust of the eyes the lust of of the flesh and the pride of life. Solomon did them all and he came to the conclusion that they were nonsense. I wish that as we have been talking so far, you have come to understand the profitlessness of these things. Why are they profitless? I want to repeat two reasons. One, in 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 your going to get them, in your direction, when you are going to get them, you sin against God. You break principles of God in getting them too. You may get them legitimately, but they have the ability to turn your eyes away from God. That is, these ambitions that you are going after. They can so make you engrossed in them that you don't have time for the things of God. And they turn your eyes, therefore, from the things of God. I pray that we all, by the grace of God, the Spirit will work in our hearts, the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts to help us to make a decision and say, I will turn my eyes to the things of God, study the word of God and let it become charming to you. Contemplate heavenly things. Go to the Bible and look for those passages that talk about the promise of the kingdom to come, where it says there will be no more weeping, no more death, no more crying, no more sorrow. Where it says that we will plant and, not, and eat what we plant, we will build houses and live in them. We will have immortality. We will live in the New Jerusalem. Read Revelation 21, Revelation 22. And let those things in that passage charm you. May that be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us again to the end of our discussion. Thank you for the lessons you have taught us. Thank you for helping us know the ways which Satan is trying to charm us and also giving us a higher charm in the love of Jesus and the hope of eternal life, freedom from sin, the joy that nothing can stop of the new world, Lord. Thank you that you have something better in store for us. If we didn't have this option, we would have ended up with Satan's plan, but we thank you that you have something better than this world has to offer. And I pray, Lord, that everyone that is listening, including ourselves, 
that as we make efforts to dwell on eternal things, that your Holy Spirit will shed abroad the love of Jesus on our hearts, that we will have a big appetite for things that are more eternal. Lord, you know our weaknesses. You know how Satan draws nigh with us with all these things. And indeed, you have told us that these things are passing. They are not eternal. They will not profit us at the end of the day. Please, my simple prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make the love of Jesus stronger, more beautiful, more appealing, more reasonable in our hearts, so that from us also we will help other people draw closer to you. Bless our going out and our coming in today. Help us to be useful to those who we shall meet. Help us to be attentive. Help us to be prompt and make the best use of the times we have. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for blessing us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.